This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. of Purple Insider from inside the Indiana Convention Center. Matthew Collard here with you as always on day whatever this is supposed to be of the Combine. Joining me here in Indiana in person for the first time ever. I had mentioned that Brad Spielberger was taller than I thought he was. Brad Spielberger, what's up, Brad? How are you? Doing well. Yeah, same height I thought I was. But uh, yeah, good good week in Indy so far. Isn't it weird, though? And, and if people don't know, Pro Football Focus... I'm still calling you the cap guru. Do you want something else? Like, I know you're getting into other things on Pro Football Focus. They're expanding your role because you've done a tremendous job. But what is your, like, title now? It's not just cap dude anymore, right? There's some, there's a some news element to it, you know, trying to become the uh, the Adam Schefter of, of PFF. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, no, it definitely expanding beyond the cap stuff, but that, that'll always be the uh, the nucleus of it all. I'm, I'm not going to say the joke that everyone on the show knows that I want to make about being that but uh are your shoulders good for carrying water anyway uh, so uh <laughs> well I, i'm happy for you though because i i see you out there breaking more news and things like that and you're very good at uh i guess networking and having a sense for what's going on in the league let me put it that way and uh, i'm glad that we could do this in person as opposed to over zoom which we've always done before so let's just talk about what's going on here this week around the league just beyond the Vikings because trust me I'm going to ask you what you've heard about Kirk Cousins we've talked about what we've heard from Kwesi Adafo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell but I want to begin here so I was moseying around the podiums the way that it's set up is there's three podiums inside of this big room and every person stuffs themselves in front of one podium and you try not to breathe on each other too much and listen and you also try to focus your ears on listening to one person. It's like hearing three songs play at once. So I was just wandering around waiting for Kevin O'Connell, and I stumbled upon John Lynch. And someone is asking John Lynch naturally about Jimmy Garoppolo. And he says, a lot of quarterback uh, needy teams around the league. Uh, he did not wink at us, but I thought he maybe should have about Jimmy Garoppolo and a potential trade. What is your feeling about how this QB trade market is going to work out and not just as it pertains to Kirk, but as it pertains to just like everyone, there are way more teams looking uh, than uh, there are even quarterbacks to fill spots in terms of good quarterbacks. How's it going to play out? You know, I think good news for Minnesota, if you're of the opinion they should trade Kirk, which I think I'm not breaking news to uh, Purple Insider listeners, but I think you would fall into that category. I don't think Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson are available at all at this point. I think that ship has sailed. And so because of that, I do think Jimmy Garoppolo, like you said, John Lynch was willing to say that he's talked with multiple teams now. Uh, we also had Martin Mayhew, who is the GM with Washington now, and he was with the San Francisco 49ers for a while. He was asked if his familiarity with 
Jimmy G, you know, matters and can impact the trade there. Didn't give us a great answer or anything like that, but I thought it was a well-phrased question that he, you know, he, you could tell he, he had to think a little bit before he answered it, um, which maybe is the best tell you're going to get this week. But yeah, I, I do. I think Kirk could become the bell of the ball. Um, you know, he obviously, you know, probably thinks he already is, but um, he could become a, a, a better candidate because, you know, Russ and Rodgers, it just doesn't, and Derek Carr, I just do not see them getting moved. I don't think so either. And what that's going to leave is like, let, let's count up the teams real quick. You have Washington is absolutely desperate for quarterback because that's a good football team that could win seven games with Taylor Heineke, who look like, look, I'm happy for Taylor Heineke that he'll have a long career as a backup. But the guy was playing in the AAF or something and was a backup for the XFL and won seven games on that team when their defense was not even as good as it was supposed to be uh, on paper. And I think that tells you that their team is very strong. And if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously Kirk Cousins is not going to be happy if they trade him to Washington. That would be hilarious. But if you're Jimmy Garoppolo or you're one of those quarterbacks that you think can actually win with a really good team, this is a place you want to go. I think you would say the same thing about Pittsburgh. New Orleans is not going to play Taysom Hill at quarterback. I mean, I would be really shocked. I mean, that's that's a couple right there that could be winners if they add a good quarterback right away. Now, New Orleans doesn't have the money to uh, afford Kirk Cousins more likely than not. But like who else? Who else am I missing? I feel like there's even more teams. There's Denver is on this list. Uh, I don't know what Houston's doing. Are they just going to stay with Davis Mills? Like they seem Kirky. Right. I mean, just uh, Houston's very Kirky. You know, that's that's for sure. Um, you know, I, I do. I think there are a handful of teams. Carolina. Yes. Carolina obviously jumps out. Um, you know, Scott Fitterer, their general manager, had his, his presser today, um, was pressed on quarterback. He honestly emphasized offensive line more, but I think that was almost a pitch to quarterbacks to, you know, please come here. Um, you know, with respect to Kirk going to Houston, I, I do think that's a fit, um, you know, f- from a philosophical standpoint. Uh, also, I, I'll tell you, I, I know it's, it's not a topic everyone loves to hear, and I totally understand that. Um, Deshaun Watson conversations I do think are going to creep back up, um, and I think a team to watch there is the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, they're not good with Jalen Hurts, huh? You know, I think Hurts took stride, made strides last year and, and took a step, and I think the beauty of that for them is they're not pressed to do something, and they don't have to be. They don't have to draft a guy with one of their three first-round picks or anything like that. Um, but if they can have a major upgrade at the position, I, I think they will take that chance. I haven't asked you what you thought of – even the slightest rumor with the Vikings and Deshaun Watson, I just can't make that work in my brain. But at the same time, if he becomes a free agent because he's cut, it's a totally different equation. Because what I couldn't make work is the guy has a huge cap hit, so much danger levels around Deshaun Watson, and you're having to give up assets, and they're asking for three first-round picks, and there's just like no formula to make any of that work. I'm not even sure if I give up that much for Russell Wilson if I'm a good team, much less am I giving it up for somebody who might, uh, I don't know, have criminal charges on the way. But if you're talking about him as a free agent where he can sign wherever he wants, that I'm not, I'm not saying I would endorse it because I still think that it's putting your life in your hands uh, or in his hands, and, and that's scary considering what he's accused of. But it's a totally different formula in terms of the risk involved if you're not trading away your future to get him. No, 100%. And I think, 
Uh, he has a no-trade clause. Like you said, obviously, we're talking about a hypothetical free agent, Deshaun Watson, which, you know, I, I'll tell you, I don't know if that plays out. I mean, Houston's not going through the same thing as this past year where they paid his entire salary this year. But it jumps from, I want to say, about $10 million this past year to about thirty-five, just like Kirk. And so they're obviously not going to pay that to not play him and have him sit behind Davis Mills. If he, if he does come on the market, I, I mean, I do think Kevin O'Connell and, and, and Quasi Adolfo Mensa could be potentially attractive, you know, people for him to want to work with. Um, but, you know, does he want to go to Minnesota? You know, I'm not sure. Um, and, and I'll tell you, not to go too into the weeds, but, you know, I did spend time in, the, in that Minnesota building. If you told me, you know, the, the team I would expect least to bring in a guy like Deshaun Watson because of the off-field stuff, probably Minnesota is my answer. Here's my counterpoint. Delvin Cook. Was not suspended, was not cut, was not traded. Noted. <laughs> right? I mean, the thing is that there are some there are some people who have power inside the Vikings organization who I could guarantee you from knowing who they are would be against Deshaun Watson. I don't know how much power those people really have in a decision like that. I think that the people who have the power there are Mark and Ziggy Wilf. And when they decide that's going to happen, then that's going to happen if that's the way they want to go. And that would be very conflicting for me. I don't know if you've heard anything just even around here about how other teams feel about that. But just even from a what it says to sort of your community to bring in someone. And of course, there's innocent until proven guilty. I was once on a jury. I know. But there's also 22 accusations it's not he said she said it's the she's you know she said she said i've said that before but that that to me just carries a a lot of risk and also a lot of just very very bad look for you to do that and i also wonder though on the other side of it how much fans really care about the look no, fans and also folks that know they're going to lose their job if they don't win. And I know this is a very rare thing to happen, but, you know, Quasi Adolfo Mensa's contract was leaked to the media. It's a four-year deal, which is is a shorter deal for a general manager. And so, look, I mean, he needs to win, and he needs to win pretty soon. So, yes, you look at it from a purely football perspective, I'm sure they will kick the tires there. Um, but, yeah, like you said, the message you send to your community, also just the message you send to, you know, the people in your building that have to interact with a guy like that, it would be tough. But, yeah, end of the day, you know, winning winning cures all, as, as we've heard. Is there no more disappointing person in the NFL in the last, like, I don't know how many years? Of all my life watching football, there's a lot of players who have gotten in trouble where you go, like, oh, okay, all right, I guess, you know, I mean, I'm disappointed, but <laughs> I'm not super shocked that someone could have something like that happen. Deshaun Watson just being, like, pillar of the community, ultimate leader and everything else. And having this, uh, you know, be a part of his resume is tricky because if it wasn't, because remember, at the end of that season, he was going to go somewhere else probably, and it would have been move heaven and earth, trade all your draft picks, I don't care what you have to do, he's that great, and uh, not so much the case at the moment. So let's talk about Cousins in that situation. The question that I can't answer, and I have uh, covered a little ground on this subject already, Brad, you're shocked by that. But the question I cannot answer is uh, twofold. What would someone offer and what would the Vikings take? Answer. 
you know, the issue there is is it comes back to the contract, where because he only has the one year remaining and there is no threat of a franchise tag, I think the bigger issue than the actual compensation is they would need to negotiate an extension before they actually pull the trigger on the trade. So that's where it gets complicated because, you know, technically you're not even allowed to do that. Obviously, that does happen. Um, but that's where it really becomes jumbled. And it's, you know, we'll pay X if the contract is this or we'll pay Y if the contract is this. So in a hypothetical scenario where, you know, there's no contract you're working and you're just inheriting a one-year, $35 million fully guaranteed deal with no eligibility to franchise tag so he could walk the following offseason, I, I, I struggle to see a team sending a first-round pick. End of the day, though, as we're talking about, quarter, teams are always going to be desperate for a quarterback. Obviously, Washington is probably not on his list, but a second-round pick still, even if that's the, the scenario, I do think is possible. Okay, you be crazy and I'll be me. Wait, no, who am I? I'm Carolina is who I am. All right. Uh, hey, uh, Mr. Adolfo Mensa, here's what we got. We got the Sam Darnold problem we really need off our hands because he's terrible, and uh, we can't give you the sixth overall pick because we're not doing drugs currently. What about a second-round pick? And then we'll work out those void years with Cousins to lower the cap hit for this year. Uh, what do you think about that, Mr. Quasey? First, I would say, are you sure you're not doing drugs? Because I saw the Ian Thomas extension. So I, <laughs> you're, you're doing something. Um, no, second of all, look, because I understand six is too high, but thankfully your second rounder is a top 40 pick. And those those early second round picks are also very valuable. Teams have talked about this where because you can reset your draft board after the first night and then you know, you kind of get a feel for the first you know eight to ten picks of that second round. There's a premium value on those picks. So if that was it... I I would still would strongly consider it. Um, try to you know build around Mond or just do something for a year. Just kick that decision down the road and, and see what you can figure out. Okay, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be Pittsburgh now. All right. So look, we know our pick isn't as good as Carolina, but you don't have to take a horrible quarterback back. All right. What if we gave you a second and also a fifth, and you give us Kirk, and then the, you do the extension? But you don't get anything back. Uh, or no, how about this? Instead of a second, a third. You get a third. It's just a straight up Kirk for a third. And look, if you want Mason Rudolph, please take him. He's just not any good. You need a backup that's better than Mannion. Take Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph in the third. You do so, it? you know, I, I'm happy that you're, you're an AFC team talking to me. I, you know, we, we try to get guys, if we're going to trade them, out of our conference. Um, you know, whether that makes sense Are you sure or not. you want that? Because you could also win all the big games. Hey oh come on person coming up the escalator. You've gotta think that was funny. They just they just nodded in approval. They love that joke. <laughs> okay, sorry I interrupted. <laughs> I don't even know where we're at at this point if I'm uh, being honest. Well, you were talking about the AFC team and then a, th you know. a third would be tough. You know, I think at that point, if you're a Dofo Mensa, you try to convince yourself of look, be honest with ownership, say, look, we're not going to extend him, and therefore we know this is kind of a one year trial. Let us prove to you that we can install a system. And as he said himself, as Quizzy Dopamensa said himself at his press conference, he can make the throws that are easy. I know you, you tweeted about this. He can make the throws that he should make. And yes, we can laugh about that, and, and we should. But there are also a lot of guys in this league that can't make the throws you're supposed to make. Oh, there most certainly are. Uh, Kevin O'Connell laughs about how he wasn't one of them. <laughs> yeah. And he said, basically, I couldn't throw the football accurate enough. And this is what people do not understand, is how big the football is and how hard it is to throw. What things like what Aaron Rodgers does or what you could do on Madden are so wild. Like I'm not even sure. I have a decent arm, I think. I don't even know if I could throw a ball like 30 yards. I think you could. You think so? I mean, 
Look at my hand size. Those are Kenny Pickett hands, yeah, man. Yeah, that's Kenny Pickett. Yeah. It's that's not impressive that's at all. That's a red flag. Yeah, it is. Uh, there's lots of red flags. I'm not. Well, I'm 6'2", but I have a Mac Jones body in terms of the flabbiness. The dad bod's back. I think I could probably run like a four. No, not a four. A five eight. I would guess. What would you run? We were discussing this last night. I could definitely not go below five seconds. There's no shot. We oh were God, just, no. We had an over under. I think it was of like five three. Um, and I was still right on the fence of whether or not I was over under there. Now, didn't didn't Mike Renner claim that he could run something like a four six or four seven or something? And he came sort of close. That sounds exactly like yeah. Mike Renner. I'm not sure, but I believe it. Yeah, Renner is a spectacular athlete, and what he ran sort of told you what you could run. So Renner, Renner is like my height and can easily dunk. Uh, and yeah, so that's like no, I I couldn't. I think if I got under six, I would feel pretty confident about it. But don't take me away from this conversation about Quasi and the trades. Here's what I think is very important if you're Quasi Dafalmensa. This is where the third round pick discussion comes in. Is if you trade Kirk Cousins, a proven Pro Bowl quarterback, for a third round draft pick, and you don't have another quarterback coming in that you can say will win us football games this year, ownership is going to be like, huh? No, right? Like, we're not taking a third-round pick back for our quarterback that we paid all this money. We're going to look stupid. We gave the guy the biggest contract, and now we're trading him away for nothing? And, of course, I think on the outside, it's very easy to go, like, actually, this is not a bad idea because of where you are at as a franchise. But if you look like, as Quasi Adolfo Mensa, that you got totally gypped in a deal— well, you know, I think that's not how you want to start off your tenure as a general manager. You always have to factor, no matter how many analytics Quasi Adolfo Mensa can talk about or uh, process-driven, process-driving, that he because we don't, we don't say analytics now. We're just talking about process. Uh, it's all information, Brad. But anyway, the point is ego matters. How it looks from the outside matters. How it looks to the ownership matters. And if you make a trade for a third-round pick and Colin Cowherd goes on his show and Stephen A. Smith and they go, how are you going to trade that? Like, the owners are going to see it and go, like, wait, did we get ripped off? Did, are you a bad GM? Why did you make a bad trade? These things have to be considered, and that's why it still feels like the most, or it now feels like to me that until or unless someone gets really desperate, which is very possible, the, the letting it play out just kind of feels like the most likely thing. That's my perception as well. I originally thought there was a possibility of another salary cap easing short-term extension, which you know obviously would not have been received well. Um, the thing is, Kirk is not going to play ball. So for folks that don't know, you're allowed to convert automatically convert deals where you restructure, but you're not allowed to do that by adding void years. And because there are no years after 2022 for Kirk, they can't have any cap flexibility. And, and so they would need his permission if they wanted to just add void years, push money down the line, and, and have no new cash. And he's not going to do that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay, so that's interesting because I always thought that the void... Well, I guess you would have to agree to the void years, right? It's a new contract, right. technically. The, the thing that's built in is when you convert. Right, but right. the years that already exist. Okay, yep. so now why would Kirk care about adding the void years? Just why would he, in theory, do them a favor if they could give him new money on an extension? That's a good point, that he can hold that over their head and say, why should I help you give me all of the money? The only thing I could see from Kirk is if they were all on the same page, look, we're going to let you hit free agency, and, I mean, you have no other choice if he wants to hit free agency. But that's that's what God's telling you to do, Kirk. Go hit free agency. But you're going to play here for this year. Would you like to win some football games? I still think that the voiding years thing is a bad idea. I would like you to explain, since you are the cap guy, explain why that's a bad idea to add void years to someone like Kirk to lower his cap hit for this year. And so that's the thing. So look, if you know you're going to move on after a season regardless, all you're doing by adding the void years is you're pushing money down the line. Let's say they take you know $20 million of his $35 million salary. Let's say they add four void years. So there's five years total on the deal. That $20 million would be spread out over five years. The $16 million pushed into the future would all hit your 2023 salary cap. So Kirk would be gone, and you'd have $16 million on your cap for him to be elsewhere, which, look, we've, we've seen worse. Carson Wentz almost doubled that number. But, but if you're going to move on, why not just bite the bullet, take all the cap in the first year, and then have a clean slate the following year? Right. I mean, wouldn't you only do that if you thought you could win the Super Bowl this year if you added whomever? Right, like that's like a, you're right. If, if you have Tom Brady, which they basically did, then yeah, then you're willing to just say, hey, look, we'll, we'll we'll eat some money in 2023. Who cares? Well, let's talk about if that scenario plays out. Then what should the Vikings do? Because you put together your top 743 free agents list on PFF.com, and what I am having trouble uh, getting super motivated to talk about is like which free agents they should sign. Because if the most likely scenario is that they're just sticking with um, Kirk Cousins on $45 million contract, then it's pretty hard to spend too much money in free agency. So how should they approach that if that ends up being the case? Like you said, it's a weird dichotomy, too, because then it's like, all right, do you think you can win a Super Bowl this year? So should you try to spend around that or should you, you know, just be patient? I think what they should do, which uh, still sounds scary at first, but what Nick Casario did last year, which was he knew the team was not a competitive team and they had a lot of room to grow and they just signed a, a record number of just one-year deals for mid-tier and lower-tier veterans, that's probably what i do just to kind of bring in some quote-unquote crazy guys into the building. Mm. Maybe a couple of those guys pan out, then you do extend them into the future. That's probably the route I go. Okay, here's why I'm going to pass on that. I would rather see people that might be bad have a chance to show that they might be good that are development projects than have someone who is a proven NFL player, but we know isn't particularly good. So last year they kind of went through this. They tried to sign a whole defense to one-year contracts, Bashad Breeland, Xavier Woods, Patrick Peterson, all these things. Now you would presumably go with higher upside or younger players who had maybe played 400 snaps or something. That's okay. I think that's a fine model to go with. 
I would rather just see, I don't know, Harrison Hand. You might not even know who that is. There's no reason you should. But like, if he plays, and then all of a sudden there's kind of something there when he's on the field. Last year, they missed an opportunity to even learn about anyone that was on their team that you know wasn't you know those players that were veterans. So with Cam Dantzler, for example, this is a it's a big L for them that they didn't play him the whole year. They played him 500 or 600 snaps. Okay, well that's such a small sample size. He put up some numbers that weren't that bad. He gave up some really horrendous end of game touchdowns and things like that. Do I walk out of last year knowing what Cam Dantzler is? No. And 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 what did it get you to play Brashad Breeland instead? Now they were desperate. This group is not desperate. So I think that if you can add someone who's really good and youngish, like 26, 27, to a five-year contract, I would do that. Like, okay, this player is going to be good for us for multiple years. Our plan is to be really good by 2023. So even if he's a good player on an average team for the first year, he's going to be a part of the long-term future. I'd rather see that and then a bunch of who knows what's than I would see like, oh, let's just take a bunch of randos and see if anybody can play. No, I think it's totally fair. Um, and and you know, speaking of Vikings cornerbacks that maybe should have played and, and didn't because of desperation, uh, one of the hotter names uh, for free agents uh, is Mike Hughes. Uh, interestingly enough, a name come I've on, heard, a name I've heard, not, not I'm not saying he's going to get a monster deal, but it, hotter name in, compared to what you might expect. Yeah, um, be lot, kidding me. A lot of folks were impressed with his year in Kansas City. Um, you know that sixth round pick. Uh, you know, obviously Rick loves <laughs> those sixth round picks, but yeah, I, I've heard a lot of teams are going to have meetings with him. Again, he, he's not going to sign some massive deal, but he's probably going to get a decent count. Matt, Matt just cannot stop laughing, um, which I understand. <laughs> it's come on, these. La- okay, we got to talk about this. Sidebar. Sidebar. Remember, I'm very aware of the courts now, so that's all the analogies I make. When I was, uh, and I still do this, but I had gotten into watching the World Championship of Chess, so everything was a chess analogy. Now everything is the courts, so sidebar, sidebar. What the heck was with the trades that the Vikings made last the last two years? Do you have any explanation for this? I mean, Chris Herndon for a fourth. They trade away Mike Hughes for a sixth for why like what what incentive was there to trade away Mike Hughes to begin with was it because Mike Zimmer was tired of him being hurt like I don't understand what the benefit was of someone who was still on their rookie contract they weren't expensive it's not like Mike Hughes had done something in public that was horrible he was in a car with J. Ron Curse uh, on the inebriated side at one point but it wasn't like he had done something terrible and uh, I just don't understand. Like, he seemed to get along with people and was a fine teammate. There was sometimes there are things that you don't get. The Herndon thing, the Yannick Ngakwe trade. It's like, are you just like looking at things and trading them? So, just to k- twist the knife a little bit, I also think J. Ron Curse is going to have a strong free agent uh, interest. But anyway, real quick, <laughs> we always thought he was good. And I think Mike Zimmer thought he was good. And just couldn't stand him yeah. as a person because what he did now, what he did was kind of on the bad side. I mean, drinking and driving with a loaded gun in the car. That's a little red flag right there. Uh, and not only that, he went around a barrier for a closed road. I mean, come on, man. Like there's gotta be some intelligence test here. 
Certainly fair. Certainly fair. Uh, the, just real quick, the, the, <laughs> the, the Chris Herndon trade, not to be, like, it was one of the worst trades I've ever seen in my entire life. And that's something that I, I said at the time because I'm a big believer in, you know, hindsight analysis is not fair. You need to, you know, assess something at the time it happens. You can, of course, revisit it once you, you know, and you can be wrong. Why they thought they needed to trade a fourth round pick for a guy who could do nothing with the New York Jets, which, look, I guess it's the Jets. But yeah, one, one of the worst trades uh, of the last decade. Completely. And the Yannick Ngakwe one is funny because if this defensive system traded for Yannick Ngakwe with this, you know, quote unquote, three, four, uh, yeah, I think he would have been a really good fit. But yes, there's a wide, a wide nine slash wide 11 that he plays. Yeah, yeah, probably. And this is the this is the whole thing about the last couple of years of the Vikings is just so much of it made no sense. And this is where I think Quasi Adafo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell have a chance to make it make sense where when they talk about building with a clear vision, this is my next question for you, is like, like what would that be for you? If you were saying we're going to build with a clear vision and, and I'm giving you the interview for to be the GM, which maybe someday you'll be, and uh, what would you say? Like, we want a clear vision. Yeah, you know, I think the issue when you give a head coach and a general manager an ultimatum like like Mike Zimmer and, and Rick Spielman probably received is that they're not going to act rational and they're not going to look in the best interest of the long-term health of the club. And so that for me is what it is, is that I, I'm not trying to contend the first year I'm there. You're, you're getting hired as a new GM for a reason. The reason is probably because the team was not good. Um, and, and so for me, it's about building that foundation and, and establishing a, a solid roster before you actually then try to add some of those those shinier objects, those those you know sexier signings to really push you over the edge, I'm not trying to contend until the third year I'm a general manager in a hypothetical scenario. Right. Yeah, and I think that that's a hard thing, and it should be an exciting thing. I think if you're a Vikings fan, to think about what a reasonable timeline could be to really try to be great, and how much damage it did to this organization to have like this edict or this desperate attempt to try to win now because everything they did was desperation. And we were just listening to Kevin O'Connell talk about Garrett Bradbury. I don't know if you're standing there for that one, but there were a lot of eyes that were rolled as he was saying how much he loves Garrett Bradbury. And like, okay, <laughs> come on. He was benched last year. Like, let's not, let's not do the thing that the last group did, which was uh, the, sky is, the sky is red and not blue. But um, I know you have to say nice things about players you're getting rid of. It's just uh, customary. But, I, you know, it really did a lot of damage to them because they never thought long-term about anything because there was no long-term. And it was a self-fulfilling prophecy, I think. It was like, well, we got to do this because we're going to get fired. But actually, you're doing things that are getting you fired. <laughs> I mean, isn't that amazing? And to the Bradbury point, too, another thing I wouldn't do, look, you need to have a system, you need to have a philosophy on both sides of the ball, but to take a center in the top 20 purely because he can block in the wide zone. Oh, that's what I was alluding to, <laughs> right, is drafting a center right for that. It, it, right, not only that, but also because he has one specific skill set. And isn't he, like, look, if he's Tyler Linderbaum, it's a different conversation. If you want to play Tyler Linderbaum in wide zone, if you want to play him in a power gap scheme, you want to play him whatever you want to do, he can do it. Um, so, yeah, that, that's also the type of picks that I'm avoiding altogether. I'm taking those premium positions early on in my tenure. And then, look, yes, if we're a competitive team going into year three and there is a Quentin Nelson, you know, that's not at six, but maybe, you know, in the teens, whatever, and it's not a quote-unquote premium position, but he is a difference-making impact player for a roster that's already close, then you do that. Um, yeah, for Bradbury, I'm not surprised he said that. He is a fit, um, but like you said, he got benched and he was a fit in the old scheme as well.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Right. And he also followed up by saying Mason Cole did a great job, too. And you're like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Not really, though. Uh, as a backup, fine, but not as any sort of starter. It just makes the point so strong with the Garrett Bradbury draft pick. And, and even with the Jeff Gladney draft pick, we need a corner. We have to draft a corner. So let's overdraft one who ends up blowing up in your face. The funniest thing that no one uh, – look, I'm not going to ruin a highlight of Vikings social media, which is the video when the, the front office finds out the Eagles are taking Jalen Ragor. What everyone overlooks is that Zimmer immediately goes, are you sure we're still going to be able to get one of those corners? And Spielman's like, like Mike, we're taking like Justin Jefferson, like relax. And he's like, are you sure we're going to be able to get one of those corners? Imagine if they took Jeff Gladney 22nd overall after Jalen Ragor. Oh. I know, and, and, and is there ever like a better summation of the Vikings than Mike Zimmer just being like, "Wait, what? Well, what about the corners? What, <laughs> what that's, about that's Mike Zimmer right. in one quote? That is Mike Zimmer." <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Uh, okay, two more things that I have for you, and you made the mistake of saying that you had lots of time, so this is on you. Uh, number one is we need to talk about Daniil Hunter again, and we've been talking about Daniil Hunter for several years, but it's still not reached a resolution. And I've gone through a Daniil Hunter roller coaster of emotions where I think that I felt maybe right at the end of the season, there's no way they let this guy leave for the next group who's going to evaluate Daniil Hunter. And there's no evaluation of Daniil Hunter that doesn't find he's amazing. He's an amazing player. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Jason Fitzgerald from Over the Cap, who you know very well, he wrote or said in an interview that he thought that they would cut Daniil Hunter. And then there's the internet that thinks that they're getting a first round pick for Daniel Hunter. And like, okay, so what do we think? Why don't you rank those scenarios? Like, what what is the most likely of those scenarios? This is why I say that folks need to understand when you make a trade in the NFL, you are trading for the contract as much as you're trading for the on-field talent. And so the reason Jason said that is because let's say the Vikings want to move on. If they say, all right, we have a deadline of March 20th or whatever the date is. And on that day, he is owed $18 million. Would you like to trade us a first round pick? No one's doing that. Not because he's not an elite talent and he's still young and deserves an extension and all those things. But back-to-back years, missing a lot of time with injury, was still good when he did play, but no team again we're talking about looking silly and, and stuff like that like that's an egg on your face move where if you trade premier draft capital pay a guy 20 million in cash the first season and then he's hurt or whatever happens so I still I don't think you know getting cut is is, is most likely um, I think at that point they probably would just restructure it's not the it's not an ideal scenario um, but if they couldn't come to terms on an extension what's gonna, which is going to be tricky um, maybe you just kick the can down the road and, and say look it's it's still Daniil Hunter um, you know you also have two nose tackles now you know which 
which I guess fits the 3-4 to an extent. But long, long answer short, I don't see him getting cut. But no, there is no, sorry, there is no first-round pick coming for Daniil Hunter, folks. <laughs> no, of course not. And But also, Kwesi has to factor that in, too, that if you trade Daniil Hunter for a fifth-round pick, everyone's going to think that you're dope because not everyone does the math on that. And, and they, right, when you see, should the Jets trade a second-round pick for Daniil Hunter being written by Jets writers, and then you get a fourth, like, wait, what, huh? They, they were going to give up a second, or that's what their writers said. Uh, it becomes difficult to do. Cutting him goes along with, like you said, less egg on your face. And if it's a fifth, you'd rather cut than take a fifth and look silly. Yeah, because the guy has the potential to have 15 sack season at any moment. So yeah, you, you definitely don't want to take that risk. And just you know, I, I I discuss trades for all three guys we talked about now: Kirk, Bradbury, and and Hunter. I would say this: if they do want to trade anyone. I think looking into future draft capital, I mean, this is why you hire a guy like a Quasi Adolfo Mensa. I don't believe that there should be a time value on draft picks, and that's something that I, I would hope he understands as well. I'm sure he does. Um, that's one just kind of general overview comment is 2023 draft picks, it's a better draft class. You'll be you know closer to contending. That's the one thing I would look for you know, for any of those guys. Uh, you mentioned Bradbury trade. Trade Bradbury for a defensive lineman who's good like Cincinnati did with Billy Price. Find some team that still believes in their draft evaluation. This is an, another another aside here. Uh, send the jury out of the room. We need to have an aside. Uh, that um, you know, I saw Daniel Jeremiah say that he still thought something was there with Sam Darnold because of his evaluation when Darnold was coming out of college. These NFL people, they don't move off those. If someone is released, like, how many teams will Taco Charlton play for? Taco Charlton's bad. Like, he's, what the hell is he still in the league for? Laquan Treadwell, because they were first-round picks, and we liked him coming out. So, okay, uh, if there's one team. And with Daniil Hunter, though, I don't think there's a mark. With Garrett Bradbury, there might be, but everybody knows the math there. Kicking it down the road, though, what does that mean? So, you know, you take the $18 million roster bonus, and I want to say, including void years, he has four years left on the deal. Maybe it's three. But nevertheless, let's say you just, it's three. You just you push $12 million into the future, and you basically dictate your future decision on how his season plays out. And look, he might have a phenomenal season, and then you do negotiate a, a top-of-market or near-top-of-market extension. At the same time, it's a tough spot because, look, I mean, I think Nick Bosa could sign for $30 million a year this offseason. I think Max Crosby could, could enter that 25-plus per year conversation so it's tough and like we talked about you're not contending next year so would you pay him all that money to not contend it's a very look rick spielman and co didn't want to deal with it which was understandable that left quasi in basically an impossible position well yeah now they don't have to deal with it uh, <laughs> and they certainly earned their way there uh all right last thing for you I promise um there's a draft going on not just vikings rumors and talk what are the edges in the draft? Uh, I thought Kwesi Adafo Mensa, I would give him a ton of credit for saying the draft is random and we're just trying to figure out the areas that are less random and more predictable because most GMs will say, oh, we've got the, you know, we've got our scouts and we've got our formula and you guys, eh, you don't know, you don't know our scouts. And like, oh, yeah, you know, okay, well, you know, I bet if I put a bunch of dog bowls out and told my dog, go eat out of one and that's the first pick for the Vikings, it might be just as accurate as them picking it. I know that's insulting to a lot of people's jobs, but it is so provably random. And I don't really mean that about the dog thing, but if if I, if I said out of five, five players are available that we all agree on at the 12th overall pick and none of them are a quarterback because they're keeping Kirk, you, me, the dog, anyone, whether that pick works out or not, I think this is like a recognized thing. And so for Kwesi to say that, 
I think that's like that's a progressive mind about the draft. But I also believe him that there are ways to get advantages. What in your mind is the way to get an advantage? Yeah, so huge credit to him. I missed that answer saying that it is random because it is. And understanding that is huge. And look, I know Vikings fans will roll their eyes at this, but trading down is an edge. It is. It remains an edge. And, and look, I think Rick Spillman maybe went a little bit too far with it, particularly also because trading back to get a bunch of six and sevens is not the same as you know taking a early second and turning it into you know two threes like, like there's differences in how you go about it but I will say trading down and also acquiring future capital as I mentioned because the NFL they've kind of agreed that you can devalue a future pick by a round so you know a future second would be equivalent to a third in a trade calculation so th- those are two edges but I also think Especially with where the Vikings are now, you bet on traits. You're looking for younger players. I'm not taking, you know, a, a name I've heard. Central Michigan tackle Bernard Raymond might be a great player. He's 25 years old. I'm not even. He's not even on my board. So I'm looking at 20, 20 year old, 21 year old players, elite athletes. I mean, guys will stick in the division. A guy like a Rashawn Gary, which everyone, you know, made fun of that pick, myself included, was not impressed with Michigan. He was playing out of position. He tested absolutely off the charts, whatever position you want to call him. And now a couple years later, he's one of the better outside linebackers in the NFL. So that's the type of things I'm doing where you're just you're catering everything to the context of where you're at. You having fun this week? Having a good time? A hell of a time. What's your best uh, little combine indie story that you could tell? Oh, catch me off guard here. Um, best indie story I could tell. Um, shoot, you got me, got me puzzled. I mean, look, my brain is a bit in jumbles. Uh, I got about four hours of sleep last night, which for Indy is decent, actually. Anybody who heard my morning podcast, and I'm not a drinker, but that doesn't mean I wasn't out late. Uh, it sounds like I was out late. I, I can imagine. Yeah, I, I am drawing blanks here. I'm trying to think of anything I could share. Um, well, how about somebody that walked by you? Because I, I was with Steve Palazzolo last night when he met Mark Brunel. It's a big moment in his life. Uh, some, somebody who walked by you where you went, oh my God, that's that guy. That's a good one. Um, there was actually, it's kind of random, but all I saw was a cameraman and a light specialist walking in front of someone, walking backwards. And it was Ron Rivera on one of the more stoic, just epic journeys through a hallway I think I've ever seen. Um, so I don't know why, why it's Ron in particular, but it was just, I don't know, it was an impressive moment. No, that's, that's funny. I got interviewed by the Houston Texans team media and they were asking me Wonderlick questions, and I got them all wrong. So they, well, good for you. They took the Wonderlick out this year, so that's that's good news. Finally, finally. Yeah, actually, here's a okay. Here's a quick one. I'll tell you. I can't say who the player is, but um, you want to be smart in all aspects of life. But frankly, in the NFL, maybe there is a too smart threshold you could be. Um, I heard a story about a player, an, an unnamed player. Um, who was basically told to tank the one, not tank it completely, but not to do too well on the Wonderlick because it could scare folks off. So he only answered about 35, 40 questions and then left. And he still got every single question that he answered correct. Um, but yeah, like goofy, funny stuff like that. Um, all that stuff is real. The, the zany stories you hear, the, the, those are real stories. Tank the Wonderlick. Was that the guy who became a surgeon? Remember that whole thing? Is Myron Roll too smart? Or was it Myron Roll? Myron Roll yeah. and, and Laurent Duver, Duvernay Tardif. I think I got that right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yes, both Are they guys, too smart to play in the NFL? They, oh, yeah, that's a big problem. They might be. They might be. <laughs> All right, Brad Spielberger at PFF. Brad, I think, uh, on Twitter. And your work at PFF.com. You're doing spectacular stuff, man. And I really appreciate you taking all the time to have some fun here at Indy, man. Thank you. Football.